Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, episode 36, A Yes on the Table. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We begin with a quote from one of my favorite authors, Paul Coelho. Everything tells me that I am about to make a wrong decision, but making mistakes is part of life. What does the world want of me? Does it want me to take no risks, to go back to where I came from because I didn't have the courage to say yes to life? A few weeks ago, Joel was on a phone call with one of our dear friends named Johnny. He and his wife are amazing musicians and ministers from Florida, and they have both been currently going through a season of change and transition, much like Joel and I have been in lately. You know Divine is moving and is calling you to follow, but you're not exactly sure what the plan is, when or if you're going to have to move, and what is actually expected of you. He said something in that conversation that resonated with me so strongly that I had to write it down right away. He said, We have just decided to put our yes on the table and trust God with the details. That is such a powerful statement that has become really a new motto for my life. I don't know about you, dear listener, but I thoroughly enjoy a plan, a schedule, and a map, and a detailed order of events, and what is expected of me all along the way. I wonder if that's why I enjoyed working at the theater so much. You get your script that at times can be so detailed, it tells you when and where to breathe. Oh, I loved that so much. (laughs) One of my fondest memories was working at this amazing theater called The Fireside, just north of Chicago in a little town called Fort Atkinson. I worked there for a couple of shows in 2010 and 2011. My first show was this Christmas extravaganza. Acts 1 and 2 were sort of this Radio City variety show with all kinds of familiar holiday tunes, dances, and of course, a reading of A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore, more commonly known by its first line, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." After the intermission, the show completely changed. Acts three and four were a show called The Child that was written by the amazing Danny Hamilton and Gary Richardson. The show was about the true meaning of Christmas and it told the love story of Mary and Joseph. I'd been cast as Mary for the second half of the show and I was ecstatic. I was also cast to understudy for one of the characters in the first half, and there's a hilarious story about doing the first half of the show that I won't get into today, but I might in a future musing. In this show, it was imperative that you knew exactly what you were doing and where you needed to be when you were doing it. Otherwise, it was actually dangerous. You see, the stage was in the center of the theater, and you would enter and exit your scenes one of five ways, four of them being up and down aisles that you would have to, well, up and down aisles, and then you would have to duck into these dark tunnels to navigate getting from one aisle to the next. Dark 
and scary little tiny tunnels. Um, it was, <laughs> it actually made me so nervous the first few times I had to do it until I finally got used to getting through these darkened little tunnels to get from one entrance to the next. Uh, it was wild. Um, the other way to get to the stage was under the stage itself. The center of the stage had this circular riser that could elevate itself up to four feet above the stage, or it could lower itself to be 10 feet below the main platform. If the circle was down to be loaded for another scene and you were working a scene on the main platform, it was so imperative that you were careful, otherwise you'd fall down the hole. The child, my show, had a live band that was on that circular riser and they would come up and down at different times of the show. I'll never forget, I had this one scene that began in the corner of the main stage and I had a 45 second musical interlude that I had to run down the aisle, go down a hallway, down into a tunnel, under the stage, get on the riser and I was gonna rise up with the band for this big musical crescendo, 45 seconds. Um, I also had to manage doing this without being so out of breath that I couldn't sing when the riser, you know, was level with where the audience could see. I remember running that route over and over, practicing every step, every breath to make sure that I made it in enough time and still had some breath to go. Oh, and I also had to be um, very aware if there were people in the aisles that I was having to get around. The audience was encouraged not to, you know, move about when the show was on, but you know how it is when someone has to go to the bathroom, they gotta go. Um, this time of my life was so perfect for me because it alleviated any anxiety I had about what was expected of me. It was all written out in such a way that I had no questions. We had timesheets so we knew exactly when to be where, and we had detailed instructions of everything down to the kind of false eyelashes that they preferred me to wear. But by the time one week was over, I had the child and all of its instructions memorized and was learning as I went, just in case, you know, my friend needed me to fill in for the first half. We'll tell that story at another time. Um, this show was a blast to be a part of, and the cast was so wonderful. I made friends that I am still friends with today. But honestly, the part of that show that gave me the most peace was working with the detailed plan that was set before me. Our director and our writers were so specific about everything that they wanted that you just had to show up and do your job. And oh, it just, it gave me so much peace to just show up and know exactly what I needed to do. Does anyone else often wish that life went this way? That when God called you, he also gave you a script, so to speak, that tells you exactly what all of your purpose entails and how exactly to go about accomplishing your destiny? There are so many people throughout scriptures who are called by God to a life of purpose who simply say yes. Many of them said yes before they even know what that yes consists of. We spoke a few amazings ago about Isaiah and the vision that he had of the Lord being high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple. If you missed that musing, go back and watch it. It's so powerful. But after Isaiah writes about seeing the Lord high and lifted up on the throne with the train of his robe filling the temple, he writes this in verse eight. 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. The Hebrew phrase here that translates as, Here I am, send me, means to send, to send away, stretch, to shoot forth as in branches, to drive cattle. I love the imagery of that. He's not just saying, God, make me your errand boy. He's saying, stretch me out and send me forth from you as my source, like the branches stretch from a tree, or even as cattle are driven from one place to the next. Guide me and drive me into the land you have called me. Another famous example of someone saying yes is Mary, the mother of Jesus. After the angel came to her and told her she was going to bring the Messiah into the world through her womb, she answered the angel in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. The Greek words that were translated into may it be mean to become, to come into existence, begin to be, receive being, to arise, appear in history, to come upon the stage. Our yes grants divine permission to cast us in our role, so to speak, and allows us to come upon the stage and begin to learn who our character was written to be. It sets us up in a position to begin to be exactly who we were meant to be. Much like that job at the theater when Danny Hamilton handed me the script and I took it, my may it be allowed me to step onto the stage in a show that he had already written. When I put my yes on the table, I am surrendering to the story written before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. Some might say that there's a major difference in that I got to read the script before I said yes. But the truth is, when it comes to the plan of divine, I have read the script right here in my, those of you who are just listening, I'm waving my Bible around. (laughs) I can know that no matter what my journey contains, the end will always be in victory. As we read the scripture, we are encouraged by the stories of those who have gone before us, even though our story will not be theirs. Though the scriptures are completed in a form that I can hold in my hand, I do believe that the story is continuing to be written on the other side of eternity by scribe angels who have been tasked at not only continuing to write the story divine is writing, but also keeping records of our story here on earth. Malachi 3 verse 16 says, Then those who feared the Lord with awe-filled reverence spoke to one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who fear the Lord with an attitude of reverence and respect and who esteem his name. Ezekiel chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 says, Then in my vision, I heard him cry out with a thunderous voice saying, Approach now, executioners of the city, each with his weapon of destruction in hand. 
Behold, six men, angelic beings, came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen with a scribe's writing case at his side. They entered and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the Shekinah glory and brilliance of the God of Israel, the cloud, went up from the cherubim on which it had rested to stand above the threshold of the Lord's temple. And the Lord called to the man clothed with linen who had the scribe's writing case at his side. Our yeses are still being recorded in heaven. And one day we will be able to fully understand what each of those yeses entailed, what doors they opened, and what paths they led us down. Colombian novelist Gabriel Garcia Marquez wrote in the classic work of literature, Love in the Time of Cholera, tell him yes, even if you are dying of fear, even if you are sorry later, because whatever you do, you will be sorry for the rest of your life if you say no. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37, Again, you have heard it said to the men of old, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord as a religious duty. But I say to you, do not make an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you are not able to make a single hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, affirm yes or no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through three says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us looking away from all that would distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The most important yes that was ever uttered in the history of earth itself was the yes of Jesus when he chose to leave his heavenly home to come and live among us to show us how to live, to die among us, to show us how to die, and to be resurrected before us, to show that death is not an end, only a beginning. Some yeses are full of excitement, while others are as extreme as requiring some kind of death to be fulfilled. 
Sometimes I like to think that my wild journey of doing those shows at the fireside and trying to navigate those dark tunnels and trying to not fall down a giant hole in the middle of the stage is a pretty perfect metaphor for this crazy life. I just have to keep reminding myself, if he could do it, I can. If he put his yes on the table over and over again without fear or regard for personal gain, then I can do the same. If you are in a place where you feel the tugging of divine, that your time has come, and that he is longing for your yes to move you forward into your destiny, then why don't we pray this prayer together? Divine Creator, you sent your son Jesus to show us what a life of yes to you looks like. A life filled with surrender and trust that pushes away doubt, unbelief, and negativity as we devote our lives to the purpose for which you created us. Meet us in our frailties and give us the confidence to say yes. Help us when we stumble into worry, when the road ahead seems unclear, and birth in us a confidence in you. We know that you wrote our story long before earth was ever formed, and we surrender our desire for understanding before obedience. We know that your plans for us are good, and though we may stumble along the way, you continue to lead us over the mountains, through the valleys, and under the canyons that once brought us fear. We put our trust in you today and our irrevocable yes on the table. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will leave you with a short segment from The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. I'm going to sneak Tolkien in as often as possible because he's my favorite. Okay, here we go. I don't like anything here at all, said Frodo. Step or stone, breath or bone, Earth, air, and water all seem accursed, but so our path is laid. Yes, that's so, said Sam, and we shouldn't be here at all if we'd known more about it before we started. But I suppose it's often that way. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo, adventures as I used to call them. I used to think that they were things the wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because they were exciting and life was a bit dull, a kind of sport, you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered or the ones that stay in the mind. Folk seemed to have been just landed in them. Usually their paths were laid that way, as you put it, but I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know because they'd have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on and not all to a good end, mind you. At least not to what folk inside a story and not outside call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo, but those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they might be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. I wonder, said Frodo, but I don't know. And that's the way of a real tale. Take anyone that you're fond of. You may know or guess what kind of tale it is, happy ending or sad ending, but the people in it don't know and you don't want them to. 
I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash destiny makes music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.